Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. This is Nicholas Zard and I'm signing in for Clean Technica. Are you ready for today's uh, news? Yes, sir. All right, I thought we would start with, uh, you know what we should do actually, because yesterday I, I waited until the very last minute to uh, talk about the Tesla news and I think that might have been a little too much oh, for some people. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh my gosh, how could you do it, really? I thought maybe changing it a little bit would, would, no, no, do not change the format. Oh, and did I tell you, maybe I shouldn't say, I'm actually writing an article on Tesla and Elon Musk and I'm really scared because I'm more diplomatic than I've ever been, so it's gonna be strange. Oh, you haven't written about, you don't, you don't write about Tesla these days, it seems to me. You used, of course, you, you knew Tesla back in the Roadster days, right? But it's, uh... Uh, yeah, very first days. No, I, I, I love writing about the Model 3. I love writing about the Model S. Everything else, mm, yeah, you know, everything, Elon Musk, I'm not that interested. The products actually, are great. I actually have a guy living in, living in my building here in Poland who, uh, who in the early days, he lived near the factory and they gave him, they pushed a Tesla on him to test drive for, oh. I, I think a weekend or something, but <laughs> please go for a test drive. And he, he's, he's been inviting me over before we moved to Florida uh, to check out his video of the, of the Roadster, you know. So <laughs> let's <laughs> do, um, oh, let's do, a, we, sh we should do an article on that because. Um, oh yeah, no, mentioned, I, well, I asked him to send me the video and, and we'll talk more. Well, you Let's coordinate it with something because you know what the the original roadster that I drove is still around here and He said write it and drive it anytime you want. So I wanted to do a 10 years after uh, Because it really the orange my, one It's the, the blue one. one the baby powder blue one the the it's actually my second real EV I ever drove and um, And it, so I thought it would be good, you know 10 years later Okay, well, let's jump into the news the, the jump Tesla into the news. Tesla you, you want to talk this Tesla advertising story? Why? Well, I'm, I have to I say, I, I, I really want to start with that story because they're, they're great Tesla stories today, but Tesla and advertising and marketing, always fantastic topics, right? Because why? Because, well, officially Tesla doesn't do any advertising or marketing, but of course it lets us do all of that good stuff and its drivers, which is really amazing. But you know what has come up? Of course, everybody knows about it, but if you go on Facebook, if you go on all these social media, you, you'll find that a lot of these uh, uh, people are super creative and do some fantastic ads. So I thought the one that we just, um, that we just published was, was really fantastic. And it's called More Tesla Advertising That Isn't an Ad, A Media Literacy and Analysis. Okay, that's a pretty heavy title. But anyway, go and check it out because I think it's always amazing. Tesla really revolutionized marketing and, and, and much more than just for the automotive industry. You know, back in, uh, back in the early days of Tesla Radney, the very early days, I remember writing about how it was really, it was challenging so many different companies. And this was way before, just at the very beginning of the Gigafactory, right? But challenging uh, utilities, challenging energy, challenging marketing through its very uh, uh, social route uh, marketing strategy and, and challenging, of course, the automotive industry, but the computer industry, oh, so many different things. And that was back in, I think, 2012, you know, something like that. So it's interesting to see what is happening today. Yeah, and this is, I mean, they, they do these, uh, these videos, great professional videos, basically commercials, but they just publish them on YouTube. And, and I actually was wondering... I think I think Tesla, uh, Elon must see them, but I thought it was pretty hilarious. Actually, he didn't know they had a Facebook page. <laughs> oh yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> sure, like, sure, I sure. Mean, of course, maybe he was, but it seemed like he was being a hundred percent genuine that he he had never seen it and didn't know about. Uh, but you know, this is uh, he's got other things to do. But oh, the yeah. video, 
but they publish a lot of beautiful videos, really great videos. I'm fascinated when I go through them, when I write an article on them, uh, to pull out what they highlight, what they feel compelled to highlight or to say about their vehicles or about the experience. And that, that's quite interesting to me. Carolyn's going to do that more with us uh, with some of these videos. She's got a PhD in, in uh, literature or something like this. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, let's, so, so that was one, one story that was quite interesting to read. Um, I was, uh, I was blown away and we're still waiting to see if we can get some details from Tesla on the, uh, the Tesla model three and overall Tesla battery capacity shipments. Uh, so they claimed at the shareholder meeting that over half of the world's EV batteries that are shipped next quarter. So batteries in electric cars shipped next quarter will be from Tesla. 43% will be from, uh, 43% of them will be Tesla Model 3 batteries. The Model 3 alone, yes. All over the world. And 41% all non-Tesla EVs and 16% Model S and Model X. And I, I, uh, I initially assumed that that meant plug-in hybrid electric vehicles, but now in Kyle's article, he says it doesn't. Uh, I'm not sure if he confirmed that with Tesla. I was, I was, I was checking with him about that. Um, but uh, I also thought, you know, they say EVs. And for me, that would yes. include, I, I mean, this is one of these nitpick things that drive, yes. drive me crazy because it drives certain people crazy. And then we always hear about it. And, and I think it's legitimate. Electric vehicles should include actually electric bikes. Yes. Electric buses. Boards. Uh, electric, any, any electric yeah. vehicle. And a bike is a vehicle. Airplanes, uh, so, aircrafts, sea vessels. There are electric vehicles. Vehicles. Yeah. And in this particular case, I thought, does this include buses? Because there's a lot of electric buses produced and shipped in China every, every quarter. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to get confirmation of that from, from Tesla, but we haven't gotten that yet. Um, well, technically, I haven't reached out yet about it. So <laughs> it's on me, not on them. It's on the list. The list. It's on the list. But yeah, I'm curious. But uh, I'm assuming it's just cars. And Kyle... Yes. Either found out or was assuming it's only the pure electric one. But even so, it's just bloody insane. That puts in huge perspective what this Model 3 is. That yeah, puts I, the Model 3 into some serious perspective. Yeah, and, and you, exactly. I think you, you really nailed it right there because when you look at the, you, you have to go and see the, the actual picture of what um, Tesla is presenting. You see that the Model 3 is really, I mean, it's a huge chunk of its, uh, of its future. It's really betting uh, more than a third of everything on it and and you can see how the model s and the model x is shrinking and and that's yeah. and then the rest of all our other evs i love that and we were ready for it but uh still it's wild it, it is it is and i think that's the beauty and i mean especially like you and i we've been around for a long time we've seen a lot of things but the development is always amazing we know it maybe sometimes yeah. we're a little jaded but then when we see things like that we're like wow we're here we're, we're here and yeah. beyond there's certain milestones when they hit. It's like, even though you're you know, jaded by it, uh, you've heard it enough. It's like, wow. Like the, the fact that it takes two hours to walk through the gigafactory and it's only one third done and yeah. that it'll, so that it'll take like six hours to walk through it when it's done. It's like, it'll be twice the size of the next largest building in the world. That's just wild. That's like, you can't really comprehend it. I mean, it'd be great to ex try to experience it a bit, but even then it's like, uh, but speaking of batteries, Yes. What do we do with all these batteries anyway? I mean, everybody's always telling me about, boy, they pollute. What do we do with them? Seriously? Still? <laughs> I was going to let you run with it. 
<laughs> oh no, no, I was gonna do. I was gonna give you the introduction. Well, uh, well, it's just uh, the uh, the you know the the kind of one of these kind of last ditch efforts to to smear electric vehicles that you see pop up here and there is what about these toxic batteries? Blah blah blah. And uh, I'm, and you know you know the lead acid batteries are like 95% recycled. It's like one of the most recycled goods in the world uh, because they're valuable and they're heavy and they're hard to get out of the car. And it's like, there's a system in place for it. And so there's obvious that the lithium ion battery batteries are going in that direction as well. They need a certain scale before it makes sense to develop big facilities for recycling. And as we can see Tesla is the first that's going to really hit that scale. Like, I mean, uh, I mean, right now a trickle of used EV batteries are coming in, but Tesla, because of how many batteries they put in electric cars and how many cars they sell and the model three, uh, you know, they're going to be the first where they're like really have, have a a kind of economies of scale to, to do this well. And, um, I think, uh, and so JB Straubel, the CTO, made it clear at the shareholder meeting in response to a question about this, that they're working on it, that they have partners all over the world for this right now, but they're, you know, looking to vertically integrate it more and more and, and figure out more and more how they, you know, to do an R and D on it. So, you know, it's, it was sort of always a joke of a talking point for the critics because if they really cared so much about battery recycling, why don't they care about the, the pollution from gas cars and stuff? But, uh, but it was clear it would it would work itself out. But but you what what are your what are your thoughts on it? You know that's a that's a fantastic topic and it, it really makes me I'm biting my nails because you know what actually in 2008 uh, when when the whole world was crumbling down I thought you know there's one thing that's coming up right now that we need to get our hands on the first generation Prius uh, their batteries were 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 were, were spent basically. And uh, a lot of people were, were selling them or were upgrading or were doing other things. And I thought, gosh, we should just take these battery packs, store them, make little home storage units. And you know what? I never did that. Anyway, meantime, now it's happening. Uh, those batteries are not only being recycled, but uh, utilities are really looking for them. There's a whole business that's, that's being built around that. But you're right. I'm, I'm excited to see that, that uh, Tesla is actually leading the way there. And you know, again, going back to what we were saying, uh, you know, almost a decade ago, Tesla is very pragmatic, might sound crazy what they're doing, but they're completely cementing their foundation. They're, they're pouring uh, everything into their future. Would you blame them? And as long as people pay for it, why not? I think it's fantastic. And that's what I love about Tesla, by the way, strategy and the product, everything in the middle, yeah, whatever. But the strategy is fantastic and the project, the product speaks for itself. Yes, sir. <laughs> I think it's amazing. And, you know, I, I think people get, even I, you know, I get called a fanboy quite often and I, I get tired of Tesla news and I am like, oh, another Elon tweet sometimes, you know. So, uh, <laughs> and, you know, it's a little like, okay, we've heard a lot about Tesla, but whenever you get down to it, Tesla's doing shit. You know, like Tesla is going to be it. shipping more than half of the batteries of, in electric cars next quarter. So it's like more than half of the story in one kind of sense. You know, that's, they're planning for these tremendous new models that they're you know they're pumping resources into, and and they, uh, uh, you know, the, the shareholder meeting we had twenty eight interesting points to share. Yes. I mean, I mean, we don't get almost any information. The information so, we get from big automakers is like, ah, you know, 
Yeah, and, and, and thanks for saying that because that's exactly it. Uh, you know, we, we sometimes we do complain about, about Tesla, but we complain about everybody else, right? That's normal. There are things we like, things we don't like. But especially us in the communication department, yes, Tesla, it, it can be really annoying when it comes down to communication. But you know what? I can say the same with everybody else, every other company that reach out to us. It's like, hey, you know what? We think this story would be real interesting for your readers. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Hey, I'm not a free extension of your marketing arm, guys, okay? I know what my readers want and I know what I like, but I don't need you to tell me that. Uh, plus, you get paid for it too, which really skews it a bit. So, I actually do like that because that format is, oh, this is what we have. We'll let the people talk about it and this is what we're doing. I like it. To me, it makes more sense anyway. It's better than the fluff and the, and the puff that we get from other uh, companies. But so. we do love to jump into the, the other... I mean, honestly, I think we, we go out of our way to make stories sometimes uh, from the other automakers because we wanted something other than Tesla in the, in the news. It's true. And it's but true. We do have, but there, there are interesting, innovative things. So what's, what's your next? So, yeah, there are, uh, there are other topics, thankfully, not just wheels and, and electricity, but uh, smelly topics, you know. Um, so th this is something that, that not a lot of people know. And, and this is something that personally drives me nuts, you know. Every year we subsidize petroleum company. We subsidize energy companies all over the U.S. Now, some estimates like this one we have here on Clean Technica is $27 billion a year. I heard all the way up to 80. You know what? We'll never know because it changes every year. Money goes here, money goes there. We never know. Anyway, all of that money is basically uh, my tax paying money that goes to these petroleum companies and it's been going on for decades. So by the way, Left and right, Democrats, Republicans, don't throw that in here. This is really down the middle. We give these companies billions of dollars every year in order to develop better fuels, more fuel efficient systems, right? Well, I don't know about you, but I don't see any gasoline car doing any better than they were 20 years ago. So where is all that money going? And by the way, this is a great story because it's happening right now. I just paid my taxes and I'm livid like most people. So. Seriously, um, I don't know. I mean, and, and I'd like to get your point of view because you're you're in Europe, so of course Europe subsidizes that industry very differently. But my point, at least for for this, was you know we always say we're not socialists here, no sirree. My gosh, we subsidize everything around us, including these guys. But no, 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 no. Give half a million dollars to a battery startup, and that's socialism. What is wrong with that? That really, I, I'm fired up. Can you see? <laughs> yeah, those guys run the show on marketing and messaging. They're, they're very strong and effective on messaging. And, and these oil and gas companies, I mean, they have so many angles for it. They have think tanks. They have uh, smear campaigns. They have so many ways that they... Oh. That they and money, 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 and my own money too, which is, by, by the way, come on, guys. This is absurd. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's, not that, it's not that expensive to... Uh, to buy it. <laughs> I think it's a little cynical to say you're buying but a congressman, but you know, they, they give enough money to politicians oh. and the politicians are, you know, will oh. work, work on their side. And, uh, they, they really have a lot of, um, uh, it's like with the NRA, it's like, it's like right. there's, there's enough yeah. of them that yeah. are bought in enough to their propaganda and their money yeah. that they, that there's no way. And I think that's sort of the challenge you get. I mean, even, uh, you know, I think Obama was quite serious wanting to, he, he had that all of the above strat energy strategy, which was frustrating as hell to progressives, but it was like his effort to not, to not lose the yeah. certain 
center that he needed to, to be in office. Yeah, and work with everybody. Yeah. But he did push the G7 on these fossil fuel subsidies and made a big push on it. And But when it comes down to it, if if you have like half of the politicians absolutely block, you know, like they will not relent on this issue, then you're, then you're stuck. And, uh, and this came up with the, G, you know, the G7 meeting now it's, um, they've been, they've, they made these commitment years ago to phase out fossil fuel subsidies, but there's almost, it's like, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's sort of a vaporware show. Yeah. So, I, 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 and I think you're right. The point is that it's, it's again, you know, not the finger, the moon, the moon. It, we're, we're talking about lowly soldiers here. What we're, we really should be focusing on is the system that's in place. Now, we can yeah. change the soldiers. I've, I'm 52. I've seen so many administrations, <laughs> left and right, left and right, le keep on voting, left and right. Well, you know what? Since 1959, the U.S. dollar's value has always gone down, meaning yeah. I have yeah, to I mean, in order to pay more. No administrations, left or right, has ever done anything to bring it up constantly. Yes, we had peaks, but it's always gone down. Yeah, the thing wow. I keep coming to, coming to recently is that politicians are supposed to be our leaders, but they're the followers. I mean, they, they represent the, the public uh, and uh, and their yeah. top yeah. donors. Although, or not. And, and so they they have to follow... Uh, the sentiment to an extent if there's a lot of public demand about something they follow it if there's a lot of push from certain uh, doning donor class they follow it so I, like you said the system is I mean right now it's like you have you have to break the back of the of the people behind the scenes in the system before you're going to get any political and you uh, know and what? That's, but that's also what's interesting in Europe like you said Europe doesn't have I mean, we don't have this oil and gas um you know the Texas oil and gas industry. Yes. But, but then you have the German automakers exactly. who have invested in diesel engines and gas engines, and so they they there's no real there's a huge incentive to not keep subsidizing these these dirty cars. But but on the other hand, there's again a, a powerful industry that because it's big, it's powerful. Because it's big and powerful, it doesn't want us to you know it doesn't want and to change. And also, sadly enough, because 90% of the population watches, you know, mainstream news and, and that is not news. That is corporate held uh, news that's ventilated here and there. So, well, thank God we're here, right? Yeah, let's, we'll, we'll hey. say, we, we should save a whole episode for media talk, but, <laughs> but we'll move on. I, I was really happy, uh, you know, I got back into, into finding some sort of off, offbeat whatever stories and, and was putting some stories about trains and bikes yes. in, in our thread. Our oh. I was happy that you picked up some of them. You picked ah. up this awesome Texas one, which is ah. uh, fun. Okay, so I'm so excited for, for so many reasons because I, I, I love trains and I love planes. I really do. I, I love it because originally I was born in France. So, you know, you live in Europe. You know how it is. We hop on a train. We, in a few hours, we're in another country, in another capital. Or sleep overnight, you're on the other side of Europe. That's what I'm used to. I'm used to the camaraderie uh, inside a train. You know, the people you meet and everything. Well, of course, here in the U.S., you don't have that. And it's sad because if you think originally, um, our um, industry of, of electric vehicles owes so much to the train industry because in 1932, General Electric was already making uh, uh, hybrid locomotives, right? So they've been doing this for a long time. Trains going up and down on, on the Alp, uh, Alpen Swiss, the Swiss Alps, right? Um, they have regenerative braking. So they put energy back into substations that the trains going up take going. I mean, they've already had that. Yeah, those, those have already great, super great points. That's not something you 
I remember. Yeah, and, and yeah, so we, come, we get to the US where a fast train is considered 80 miles an hour. Dude, a Geo Metro goes 80 miles per hour. So <laughs> wow, 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 wow. But this is a real fast train. Now we're talking about 200 miles per hour. And it's, it's very interesting. Which is, which is 300, 322 kilometers an hour for, for the European or the non Right, exactly. So on par with the you know, fastest TGVs right now running and, and about the same with Japan and of course, you know, uh, uh, China. But this is in Texas. Not only is it in Texas, but it's also uh, connecting Amtrak routes that were previously closed. So, I mean, that route was closed and it's connecting Amtrak routes. So, so this is a really big step forward because if you think about passenger trains, at least in the US, well, there's only the Northeastern corridor and that's Boston to Washington DC. Everything else after that, it's kind of leisurely diesel routes that, that get close to the coast or straight through the middle of the US. So, so this is really good news. This is very good news, and especially for us in California because we're waiting for, for a fast train. And boy, I can talk about that one because the trace, the <laughs> route, sure. Is we'll come back to but, but yeah, the, I mean, it's 200. I was really happy when I saw 200 miles per hour. The, the system looks good. They, they make, there's no middle seat, so you just have. A, so you always have a good seat. You don't have to worry about getting squashed. The the system looks easy and nice to use. Um, you know, the Texas, like like where I'm from, Florida, like where you live, Southern California, uh, were largely developed after air conditioning which means they were largely developed after cars which means they were largely de developed around cars which means even though there's a great connection everyone in these city you know houston uh these areas will live in car dependent places almost definitely so so that it you know they would it's still like, I'm curious to see how viable it is because I don't know if you get people out of their cars to take a train, but, but it's great to see it moving forward and, and see some progress, but, uh, and thank you for covering it. And, I, um, but, I, I agree. And I think it's, it's, especially in the U S it's, it's, I mean, in Europe, at least we, we were able to link everything and it was fairly easy because, you know, per square miles or actually per miles, uh, there, well, actually per square miles, you really don't have that much, uh, infrastructure, but in the U.S., it's huge infrastructure. We're, we're, we're talking about five to ten times bigger anything you start up with. So, yeah, so it's, it's interesting. And, and hopefully uh, one of these days we'll have a – no, I don't think we will have a high fast train system. We'll have maglev. We'll have something else, Hyperloop. But I, I think the train is, is, is bordering on, on – I will, I, will, I will reserve three – three to seven percent hope for for fast trains around the year but, yes, you know, because I, I i was shocked you know i went to graduate school for city planning and uh people love trains love transit and, and city yeah. planning school but, i mean this hey, today not not 30 years ago yeah that's but, exactly it yeah but everybody uh completely yeah, 30 years ago this is how they screwed <laughs> screwed it all up or you know basically since the 50s but uh you know yeah, everybody complained that trains weren't viable. When I finally wrote, I wrote a train later after that for the first time Amtrak, and I was like, "Wow, this is really nice. You get so much space. It's really convenient and comfortable. Well, it was great." But yeah. you have uh, my mom and sister took a train from Florida to North Carolina, and it ended oh. up being eleven hours late. Yes, of course, absolutely. And every hour was like, "Oh, it's going to be another hour." It wasn't yep, like absolutely. eleven hours late. Go take a break. It was like, oh, maybe another hour, maybe another yeah. hour. It was insane. And they did the same thing from Northern California to Southern California oh. a year or two, a couple years later, maybe. But it's and all the time like problem. that. They had the same problem. It was like 11 yeah. hours late with every hour saying, oh, it's another hour. Do so you know it's, that, uh, 
it's just completely impractical because they don't have half decent service but not yet. It's, it's not yet. You know, when we moved out from uh, New York City to uh, right here in Long Beach, we, I thought I wanted to take the train, but I looked and every time it says, you know, leaves New York City by that time, it was always an estimated date. And I found out that in the winter, you can get stuck, oh, a whole week up there. <laughs> estimated date. I think they even had to wait over overnight one or two of these. Yes, in, absolutely. You know, in, in the Rockies, they get stuck. That's why they have gigantic battery systems on these trains that are heavy. <laughs> and as they, they, they love they never the, make it past 80 miles. No, actually, they make it even yeah. more. They make it. Well, they, they loved the, the, the California route, which was yes. apparently really beautiful. But yeah. the problem I, we found out is that cargo trains have priority. Yes. So trains have no no right to the tracks or something so yeah, they well, can go but if a cargo train comes along they have to wait for it so apparently this happens all the freaking time where yeah. they have uh they yeah. have to wait for cargo trains so the passenger so, trains so that's, that's the average speed you're talking about probably as well but. yeah and, and actually that's the interesting thing that you said because very good point there, there are two types of fast trains right you have the pendular systems that basically can go on regular tracks and and negotiate a 20 percent faster simply because it stays always within that, that perfect fulcrum point, right? So you can negotiate uh, uh, curves even if they're not banked correctly. But the French chose the TGV system that runs on its own track at really high speed, which is what the Chinese have done, which is what the Japanese have done too, by the way. And I think that's still the best way to do it. Why? Because if you go back to the 70s, actually the 60s and 70s when Amtrak was testing, dear Lord, those bud metro liners on those tracks at, at you know, speeds over 125 miles per hour, you couldn't hold a coffee in it. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. You could not hold a coffee. Yeah, yeah. It was like, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure we'll come back to trains. I, I, I've, yeah, we, we've enjoyed some really wonderful train rides here in, in Europe, and it's just yeah. sad that the U.S. doesn't have modern transportation. Yeah. Like, yeah, one more topic. And yeah, let's stories. talk about the BMW story, because I think that's also an interesting topic. What do you think? Yeah, well, I thought that's what I, I, you went at the top of your list instead of the bottom. I thought after we talked Tesla, we were going to jump into BMW. So I started saying that uh, there are oh. other automakers with some uh, other automakers with some really uh, interesting, innovative stuff happening. And uh, wireless, I, I'll, I'll, I'll hear from you first here. What, what you yeah, well, okay, so, so this is two really wireless stories. Yeah, there are, there are two wireless stories with that one. So basically what it is is that wireless or inductive charging is basically uh, you have a base pad, you have a car that drives over it with its own pad, and within that you have an EMF, electric magnetic field, electromagnetic field that develops, and that is basically a funnel. So what we're talking about is this in a nutshell. And BMW has been testing it for now about a year. And so they say that the system will be available um, uh, by this summer only in selected, you know, few places. Okay, fine enough. But my question was... And just, just on one model right now, the 530. That is it. Okay, so you have a, a product that could be basically used on an i8, on an i3, on any, anything, plug-in hybrid to, uh, to EV that you have, but it is only available for the 530e performance, which is their sedan plug-in hybrid. So I thought, you know, it's interesting, but it's very well, they, they now have a, they have a lot of plug-in hybrids. They have the 330E, yes. the 740E. So they have several of these uh, high performance Absolutely. and they're, 
they more or less use the same, you know, the same stuff inside. Uh, so Absolutely. And a base, a base is a base, a base is a base. You know I mean? There's really not that much. It's actually probably even, well, maybe even less work than, I don't know. Anyway. But it, do you think they're, do you think they're just doing on the 530E just for a simple rollout in case there's issues yes. or do you think this? Yeah. Yes. Not- and, and that's what we're being told. And, and I, and I understand that. And they're German. We expect them to be pragmatic and fine enough, except I'm sorry, I'm going to, sign the BS uh, alarm here a little bit because, uh, yeah, no. And, and I, you know, it's a, it's a strong and harsh word and I, and I apologize, but it is true because you know what, in 2011, I was talking to Qualcomm Halo right here down in San Diego. And these guys were testing that at 112 to 25 kilovolts already, uh, you know, out there in the, in the, in, on track races. So, yeah, this is quaint. This is nice, <laughs> but it's BMW, super slow. BMW started testing wireless what a decade ago, or <laughs> how long have they? Oh, been according working? to them, yeah, it was a very long time ago. But I didn't really hear anything, at least very concretely, about it until last year. And I don't want to say that BMW is slow. Everybody's slow in this department. You know, it's not just specifically with BMW, but specifically here is only the 530 uh, plug-in hybrid. Mm. Wow, what a shame! You know, that just sounds oh, very. I'm- Message? I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful it gets to other models quickly. But uh, I, yeah. I, uh, it's it's good that it's finally actually get because you know you see stories and then you find out oh it's not actually for production vehicles and and you're like oh well thanks for telling us you know but uh, so it's great that it's finally actually going to be on a production vehicle. Um, wireless, we could have a whole episode about wireless, I'm sure. But I, I think it's I think it's going to be a big part of the future because people are so lazy and so the normal consumer doesn't want to learn anything new and doesn't want to be put out. And when I first charged, uh, especially here in Europe where charging stations don't have their own cords, cables. When I first charged, uh, huh. charged our Tesla, when we, I was like, whoa, my wife would never deal with that. A normal person would never deal with these cords. No. No. Uh, and even coming home, I mean, we always point out it's more convenient to charge at home than to have to go to gas stations. But even so, you have to come home and plug in and it's like, okay, this is really not, this is a first world problem if you can't handle plugging in. But at the same time, there's a lot of people who would be like, oh, what a pain in the butt. Uh, you know, I just want to get on the couch and scroll Facebook. But, uh, but uh, you know, wireless charger will make it so easy. So I could see a lot of people ending up using I, wireless charging. I, I agree with you, but I, and, I, and it's kind of like that hydrogen question. I wonder how it's going to be implemented with cars because for cell phones, totally understand for my toothbrush. Yeah, absolutely. I understand my, you know, the tea I just made was done through, you know, inductive charging. Totally get it. But there are problems here because if you only use one base pad and another, you have a very limited funnel and the alignment is crucial. So the alignment is in this case about what did they say? 83%, which is you know, not great, actually, not, not great at all. We can go much higher. Um, the Qualcomm Halo system actually had a very ingenious method, three rings on the bottom, so now you have a very big funnel, so you can drive more or less over it, and it charges very well. So, so yeah, people don't want to get their hands dirty with cables. I understand poor people. Um, but you know what? You still do when you go to the gasoline pump. Nobody ever says anything about that. And Lord, yeah. God, it's <laughs> disgusting, really disgusting. But if you don't want to touch your very own cable, okay, that's a problem. Uh, another problem is going to be aligning your car perfectly over that one. So, hey, hopefully, we'll yeah. See. But I, and also, I mean, there are times when you're rushing for something and you don't have time to plug you in. And there's a, a lot of times when I, my understanding is 
this happens not that not that infrequently with EV drivers, and then they forget maybe to go back out and plug in. So, so it could make a, a that extra convenience of you know making sure that you're, you know, especially if if you get used, even if you have to like make sure you're over it. It's like when you park, you'll make sure you're over it. Yes, you won't, you, you won't say, oh, I'll come back out and, and do it. Uh, so, well. I think that, I think it could be could be cool, too. and and you I think know, with plug-in hybrids, especially, I thought, why a plug-in hybrid? This is ridiculous. But then I thought, uh, well, there's a lot of a lot of plug-in hybrid drivers don't plug in because they don't true. have to, true. or they don't they don't feel like they have to. They they don't maybe want to or something. I don't. So a wireless system is a nice way for them to 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 keep their charge as high as possible. And that's exactly, you know, that's a great point. I think it's great for topping off. I don't see it as an everyday tool for charging your, your car because if you think about it, you do get 15% less, actually what, let's say maybe 10% less efficiency than with a cable, worst case scenario cable. That's why we can have a whole episode discussion. <laughs> yeah, that's I, know, I know, I know, I know. And comment threads. Universe there that opens up. So anyway, yeah, it's 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 great technology. But the, the well, engineers on Clean Technica, you've got my Clean Technica shirt. The engineers on Clean Technica jump into the comments and say, "But the efficiency, you know." I was like, "No, it can't." But if you take the square root oh, over yeah. the molecular radius of all my you look because Americans are never wasteful. <laughs> Humans <laughs> are never wasteful. They never waste uh electricity because it's very practical to be efficient and conserved no i think people are way lazier than they are are concerned about efficiency so i i, I think it i think it could be a sizable part of the charging market yeah thanks for checking in uh check in next week tomorrow to get tomorrow to get your electric fix Nicholas. Thanks everyone. Thanks everyone for watching. Uh, we look forward to your comments and everything. Check out cleantechnica.com and your comments, your suggestions are always welcome. See you tomorrow.